Welcome to Absurd Real History, the podcast where I find stories that I just think are ridiculous and share them to various guests. Uh, today I'm really happy to have bad bitch superstar Shifa McQuinn. Yes! <laughs> oh my god, how did you think to give me that introduction? Amazing. I know, I know, I read your mind. Um, so I just want to let you know and also everyone listening that this one in particular hurt my brain to research. Oh, brilliant. Brilliant. It's just, but I think I did a pretty good job at like compiling all of this nonsense into like a, you know, something that makes sense. Um, but there's also going to be a lot of stuff that I left out because it's just too much. Okay. And stuff okay. that I might not understand. Um, but it's pretty fun. Shiva, I sent you a photo beforehand. You can look at it I now and it. I want you to just explain to everyone <laughs> what it is. Okay. Uh, okay so we've got like um a, a big floating pillar in the middle of the ocean that appears to be fishing there's there's flags from a country that i can't identify because i'm stupid yeah there's like a it's like okay so this person appears to live in the middle of the, the water they have like a little house um <laughs> am i getting it am i getting it right <laughs> well shiva you shouldn't feel stupid about not recognizing that flag because that that's a country <laughs> Because that is a country. That whole thing is a country. The whole thing is a country. Shut up. <laughs> no. It's... What? Yeah, we're going to get into it okay. now. That's the uh, the principality <laughs> of Sealand. Sealand. Yeah. That's All their right. flag. All the right, moron. It's, it's the smallest country in the world, if you believe it to be a country. I don't. Which is much debated. No. <laughs> I do not. This is not a country. <laughs> Uh, 12 kilometers off the coast of Suffolk okay um, uh, how do they find themselves here so I, <laughs> I want to know now Saoirse <laughs> before it became Sealand it was the Rough Towers uh, the Rough Towers originally called HM Fort Ruffs was a sea fort built for the British Royal Navy during World oh, War II Brits, of course there were several of these built in the North Seas to defend against German invaders some of which were built in international waters so basically during World War II, the British Navy built quickly a bunch of these kind of sea forts for war mm. things. I don't know much Fair about enough. wars, yeah. but you know, war things. War things, I'm familiar. Yeah. And then once, you know, the war finished, spoiler alert, they were abandoned and decommissioned. And this would have been in like the, by the 1950s. And so you're telling they weren't... Me that there's, um, there's loads of these floating about the place. There, there was like there several was. in the, the North Sea. Um, and they were kind of abandoned until the 1960s when the UK saw the rise of pirate radio. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You can see why pirate radio would find like these random abandoned structures in the middle of the ocean useful <laughs> for like broadcasting. They use them as broadcasting towers or as like a, a base. And... You know, I'm surprised people aren't like quarantining on these. Like Kim K being like, we'd quarantined for two weeks and now we live on this little floating island. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's not very luxurious, you know. That's it's true. It's like a, a discount Kim K. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I tried to find out how this day as a nation we're doing during COVID. Um, <laughs> sure they're fine. Now, what are their OR numbers? Like, what's the what's going on there? <laughs> I'm sure they're, I'm sure they're fine. <laughs> um, so... 
Radio City broadcasted from Shivering Sands Army Fort, which was another abandoned sea fort, not this one. And they were looking to move to another one about 18 miles out of Suffolk, um, Knock John Fort, because uh, they were in talks with a merger deal with Radio Caroline. So they left £3,000 worth of like radio equipment on an, a different fort. Oh, inconvenient. <laughs> uh, yeah, so they left it there unguarded. I guess it's in the middle of the sea. You're not really yeah, expecting. Gonna just like happen upon it, you know? Yeah, yeah. Enter Paddy Roy Bates, oh, who is the boy. I don't know the boy <laughs> who um is would soon become the the prince of Sealand and the founding <laughs> father. Oh, it's got a monarchy. <laughs> it's a principality, so there's no king and queen. It's not a monarchy. It's a principality. The prince is that, what it's, is that real? Is that yeah? <laughs> oh, learning so much already. <laughs> uh, so Paddy Roy Bates um, is from what I can gather a very mad character he fought in the British army he was is said to be one of the youngest people to rise to major before and then after that he did various business ventures and was entering the pirate radio business so he led a group of men onto the temporary deserted knock John Fort and took it over <laughs> <laughs> with all their unguarded equipment Oh, God. Yeah. Um, he had planned for his own station, Radio Essex, and declared Scotter's rights on the fort. And a feud resorted between the two pirate radio groups. Uh, possession of the fort alternated between the two, with each side launching attacks on the other and kidnapping the opposing men. Uh, this squabbling went on for a month, resulting in Radio City getting their pricey equipment back. But Paddy Roy Bates won the fort and he started Radio Essex. What do you mean they were kidnapping people? It, <laughs> man... I I mean it's kind of like a I think of it like a king of the hill or some kind of kids game you know like there's no like casualties or death but there was like guns and like people like sneaking in the middle of the night they wanted because it was a very um good place to like broadcast uh pirate radio Mm -hmm. yeah I guess so um like they have worked together (laughs) I think I think it would be nice (laughs) if uh two two groups with the same goal just figured it out. But God. rock and roll, man. That's true. Rock I didn't think of it that roll. way. It's very rock and roll. <laughs> um, at Knock John Tower, so that's the fort that Paddy Roy Bates now owns, he started the first pirate radio to, one, to run 24-7 of, ro- okay. 24/7 of rock and roll. And in 1966, he changed the station name to BBMS, or Britain's Better Music Station, which I feel is a bit on the nose. <laughs> bit presumptuous bit rude yeah it's like the better one (laughs) following that Roy fought a legal battle with the UK government as regards to his radio it was ruled that not John fell under UK jurisdiction but further offshore another abandoned fortress rough tower identical in construction to knock John existed and crucially was outside the three mile limit to which the UK jurisdiction extended which would soon become Sealand yeah, I'm just thinking, like, he he went to, like, the UK to be, like, this is ours. Like, he was looking for approval from the UK, was he? He like, wasn't looking for approval from them. He was just running his pirate radio and got in trouble with the UK government and then discovered right. this other fortress that was, like, technically not in the UK waters. So it was like, okay, I'm going to move there and mm. do stuff there. So Roy proceeded to occupy Rough Tower on Christmas Eve 1966 after consulting with his lawyers. He abandoned his radio station and declare and decided to declare this 550 square, met, 
meter metal platform in the middle of the ocean, the independent state of Sealand. I mean, good for him. <laughs> Great. Pretty ballsy. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was, it's kind of ridiculous because he he moved there because he wanted to like do this radio station. Um, and then when he discovers it on international waters, he completely for- abandoned the radio, the pirate radio station and didn't even start the radio station. He would just decide, you know what? Let's just make this a country instead. <laughs> it makes me worry for you, Sersha, because I mean, you started this podcast and like, you don't know where it's going to go. Like, are you going to like start to try and like turn things into countries? Are you going to like set up base in the middle of the ocean? Man, like... Another reason this broke my brain is there are so many of these kind of nonsense countries in existence. Really? <laughs> yeah. Like, e- uh, the kind of term for them is micronations. Um, mm. Easily, I'd say like 500. What? So like, how many people live there? Like, do people live there? <laughs> well, it still exists now as a country. And there's kind of two caretakers that permanently live there. Um, okay. <laughs> So I've literally in the past couple of days I've started doing this quiz where I have to name every country in the world in 15 minutes and I'm like Sealand does not come up <laughs> I've never said Sealand yeah it's one that's very it's it's hotly debated as to whether it's a country or not um I feel like it's a bit of nonsense but we'll get into it we'll get into okay. it okay I tell you it's it's the gift that keeps on giving like Amazing. I first oh heard God, about scratch the surface yet no oh no I first heard about this um, from my friend, Philip. Shout out to uh, Philip. Um, but I, he I, he just told me, he was like, oh, just look it up. It's all like just nonsense. And I remember like reading the Wikipedia article and just not understanding it um, at all. And I try not to use Wikipedia articles when researching this because I, when I'm researching for these podcasts, I try and like really check my sources and try and make it as credible yeah. as possible. But for this, I did use Wikipedia just for myself as like a timeline and was like fact checking it with other things because my brain, like, it's just the gift that keeps keeps on giving. Yeah, people arguing to give like a chronological order to it all, something like to give it proper structure, because otherwise I'm sure it's just like a whole lot of information. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're getting in like World War Two, like radio (laughs) squabbles. Um, so on the 2nd of September 1967 Roy brought his wife and his two teenage children Michael and Penelope who were 14 Mm. and 16 and I want you to think about this I want you to imagine you're like you know a 16 year old and your dad just brings you to this um fort and declares I keep leaving my whatsapp on and it makes noises and they're in the podcast so I apologize to listeners because I know that was in the last couple of episodes and I've done it again just popular I'm (laughs) so popular um I won't get into it now though (laughs) it won't bore my listeners anyway um, so yeah so he brought his two teenage children a few friends and radio fans to the towers and declared it the principality of Sealand and moved there with his family it's worth noting that this was done on his wife's birthday. So as a birthday present, he insisted that she be Princess Joan and him <laughs> Prince Roy. And because it's a principality, so there's oh no my, king and queen. But Joan and Roy. <laughs> Joan and Roy. What like they're not exactly um royal names. No offense to any Roy's or Jones out there. Uh, but just <laughs> it says more like Carnation Street. <laughs> 
<laughs> but they, they they are they're just like lads from England yeah <laughs> and you can tell you know like you can really tell <laughs> how low is your self-esteem if you set your own country though and you make yourself prince and not king yeah exactly what's the deal there he's got like some kind of eternal adolescence thing going on yeah I think what it what it was is that a principality legally is much more straightforward than like a republic or um, even a monarchy just in terms of rules so that's probably something from consulting with his lawyers it seems like he just kind of did this like uh, I've read several accounts that the idea came when he was like having pints with his friends you know talking about like the thing and he's like I'm gonna start a country and then just does it yeah genuinely like, it sounds so half-baked I, yeah like, the fact like when you said lawyers I'm like wow did this have like some kind of legal element it's like did he really talk this through with another adult human who was like yeah do it this is a great mm. idea yeah uh so uh the uk were not very happy with these like group of squatters just going on <laughs> what so, so they they sent out to destroy the remaining bacon towers to make sure no one else would try and do something kind of similar <laughs> Um, a declassified UK government document des- uh, described this as the Cuba off the east coast of England. Oh my god. What? <laughs> Gonna have their own Bay of Pigs scenario. Yeah, but I mean, if you have... I think it's just the fear of like, you know, you have your own country, you can do whatever you want or... Yeah. I don't know. It doesn't sound like they're doing... Well, actually, I was going to say it doesn't sound like they're doing anything wrong, but then I just remembered like the kidnappings. Um, oh, that's just standard pirate radio yeah, stuff. Fun. This is the sixties. Yeah, so it feels like it should be much longer ago. <laughs> yeah. In in nineteen sixty eight, his teenage son Michael shot at some British workers oh. that were apparently sailing into their territory. Now it was warning shots. He wasn't like uh, Michael. You shouldn't be shooting anyone. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. On, Michael. So when uh, the British government brought firearm charges against Michael for illegal possession and discharge, because at the time he was only like 15, so... Right, yeah, I mean, he clearly isn't having the best um, influences in his his early life. He shouldn't have access to a gun. But here's the thing. The court ruled that his actions happened outside of British territory and jurisdiction. Because remember, they're on international waters making them unpunishable by British law. So the British court had no choice but to throw the case out the water. Pun intended. <laughs> I'm just gonna, um, that's, that's me. I'm going to go now. <laughs> I apologize. Um, Roy later told a British official that he could order a murder on Sealand if he so choose. Quote, because I am the person responsible for the law in Sealand. Oh, shit. Oh. Oh my god. So yeah, actually, that makes me think like did they have particular laws or like a constitution on Sealand? There is a constitution. Oh. Um uh this was important as it marked the principality of Sealand legally being recognized as separate from the British government for the first time, allowing them to continue to build this nation. Mm. Uh, the court case is what gave them recognition and by 1975 Bates had given the principality of Sealand a constitution a national flag, passports, and even its own currency and commissioned their own stamps. What? (laughs) Their own currency? It's the same as, it's, the currency is linked to the US dollar and has pictures of Princess Joan on it. (laughs) Princess Joan. 
Oh. It's more of a gimmick. Like, I don't think you can use the currency. I think it's just like, look at me setting up a country. Look, there's like... And yeah, that's it. Why America? Like, why connected to the US dollar? Maybe, uh, uh, yeah, weird. <laughs> the motto of the country um, is Emar Libertas, which is, um, that's my great Latin, um, which means from the sea, freedom. All right. What, what are these guys like escaping from what was what was so wrong in their life here in 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 earth i was gonna say in in the country like but i don't know like why do they need to set up their own country here's i have a quote from a 1983 interview that i watched with roy and he's just like i do the unusual and i enjoy doing the unusual he and like that he hears about these crazy <laughs> things and i just have to do them that's all so it's just more like a compulsion like I feel like we all know someone like Roy and he's the kind of guy that you're like kind of laugh at like oh he's such a character but you would low-key hate to be friends with or related mm. to yeah I mean actually fair play to him for like committing to it because those kind of people committing to like, the bit. yeah yeah exactly <laughs> you'd be like you've got those spontaneous friends who are just like oh I'm doing this this week and that that next week and just like kind of hopping from one thing to the next but he chose this and then he made it into a whole big thing a country in fact um so good for him yeah, um, Michael ended up like dropping out of school to live on Sealand with him to What's like the, help yeah. out. Yeah, how could he go to school? Like, was he commuting? <laughs> he was in a boarding school before. Well, it started off as he was going to go there for a few months and then ended up just staying, helping out with Sealand. And he is now the prince of Sealand. But I mean, it's not um, that big. Like, it looks really boring. <laughs> like, what would they be? So boring. What would they do on it? Like, okay, they're producing their radio, but even. Oh, to get food up there and just how did they get up there? <laughs> it's really so, high. So there's two ways you, you you would have to get um either a helicopter or go out on like a boat and then be pulled up by like a levee or a, or a mm, chain. See, that might be fun. I could see that. Like, oh, I'm just gonna pop over to Sealand. Um, just need to talk to Michael over there. So you just get levied up and then pop back yeah. down. Yeah, that'd be fun. There's um there's like uh, some YouTube videos of, of like journalists visiting like I found one that's um really short just from the 1980s of like a BBC journalist just going over and like talking about it um, <laughs> you can imagine people going across like um they do to Skellig-Ville <laughs> yes <laughs> and like boat trips over here's the thing though that kind of bothered me when researching this but I also think it's kind of funny is there's loads of stuff about like Michael and then even like Michael's kids now and like everything but outside of initially finding that he moved, he brought his family and um, his two teenage children, I heard nothing about Penelope, who's yeah. like the older teenager. Wondering and in my head, I feel like she just thinks the whole thing is stupid and wants nothing to do with it. And it's just... Yeah, she's just smarter than it all. <laughs> just... yeah, <for laughs> her. So good for Penelope, wherever you are out there. Um, I even tried to find you on Facebook, Penelope. Really? There's a lot of Penelope dates. <laughs> Well, maybe, maybe her dad, like, obviously I'm just, um, just guessing here, but maybe like he was really sexist and he was like, I want my son over here, but not my daughter. (laughs) Yeah, that's exactly what he sounds like. (laughs) That's that's exactly the kind of accent. (laughs) I thought so. (laughs) You you just know. Um, I, here's a, here's a quote from Princess Joan from that, um, same interview I watched. You have a normal day. Instead of running a home, you were in a fortress. Oh, shut up, Joan. The story gets a little more crazy. Okay. Okay, I'm ready. 
1978, Alexander Achenbach, who was one of the people like on Sealand, along with other Germans and uh, Dutch individuals, invaded Sealand oh. when the prince and princess were let away on the mainland and took uh, Michael Bates, so the son, hostage, <laughs> wanting <laughs> wanting to use the nation for more nefarious financially engaging means. He declared himself then as prime minister. <laughs> Paddy Roy Bates and others then launched a counterattack in the early hours of the morning to recapture the fort via helicopter. And he had his friend come on and help who did plane stunts in a James Bond film, what? which I cool. thought was kind of crazy. <laughs> um, he held the German and Dutchmen as prisoners of war. As one had a Sealand passport, he was held and convicted of treason while the rest were released unless he paid um, 75 Deutschmark or 35,000 US dollars equivalent back then. Zealand passport. Like, were people... Um, yeah. Like, obviously, they just... Um, like, did they have to do, like, a citizenship test? <laughs> or, like, did you have to be born on Sealand? Were people born on Sealand? I don't think anyone was born okay. there. No one was born on Sealand, as far as my research. As Oh. I'd, that'd be very... No, no. <laughs> Um, so Germany, because they had like one of their citizens was just being held captive on Sealand. Oh my god! So Germany sent a diplomat to Britain to ask for intervention, but Britain claimed they did not have jurisdiction because and referred to the case that we talked to before in '68. So they were basically like to the German government, well, because of this case and the outcome of this, we can't. We actually have no say. We can't help you get your citizen back from Sealand. <laughs> oh god! So. So Germany then sent a diplomat to Sealand directly to negotiate the release of the prisoner. So like in C- on Sealand, so I keep looking at this picture. There's like one building on it and like it had room to keep people prisoner. I was like, what? <laughs> like what? They have like a kitchen, a bedroom and a like a prison cell. <laughs> well, I mean, it was an old army force. So you had like bunkers. Yeah and loads of various things and they had to do a lot of work on it like obviously there's like no electricity when they went or heating it's in the middle of the north sea so it's cold like it's not a comfy place i keep thinking about penelope as a 16 year old and me as a 16 year old and like how pissed off i'd be at my dad just dragging me here every now and again (laughs) oh i mean if that was me i'd be so like full of fear of missing out like i remember going on a holiday to galway one year when i was like 14 or 15 and I was missing like the teen disco that week I was raging I can't imagine what teen disco going. what teen disco did you um the one in uh the right venue it was called play <laughs> I always think they always have such weird names like I went to touch ew what <laughs> ew it's be called touch <laughs> it was in Stilorgan and it closed down after a year oh, because it's for like 14 year olds <laughs> and I don't think they had the right amount of uh stuff there mm-hmm. yeah well, maybe, maybe i'll do an episode on the history of irish teen oh discos. absolutely but, i find that interesting yeah me too i think everyone would everyone in the world would find that interesting <laughs> what, the younger what one, do you think guys <laughs> the younger one was called play so that was like from 13 to 16 and then from, i've heard of play yeah the the older one was called attitude, attitude. 16 to 18 or i guess 17 no eight i don't know be a bit weird like can you co- go to an underage disco if you're 18 you shouldn't. You shouldn't. You really shouldn't. But, uh, I don't think you I would. bet people have though. Like you don't have to yeah. show you yeah, you don't have to show ID at the door or anything. It's like I remember when I was in first year. I only went to two teen discos, but I, when I was in first year, 
um, I went to spin upstairs in Leisureplex and um, with my friend and there was this guy who was in second year in our school that was there mm. and um, he like kissed one of my friends and was so embarrassed and we found out that we were in first year and that we went to his school and I, fa- I found out we found out many years later that he paid his friend to not tell anyone <gasps> the year he kissed a first year oh my god <laughs> the politics <laughs> basically yeah so this going back to see hand yeah um so this again kind of made them seem like a, a real country because you had German diplomats negotiating directly with Sealand instead of with the British government. Mm. So this is just making it more defined as a nation. Yeah, they're treating it like a nation. That's yeah. Yeah. Achenbach and Jernot Putz established a government in exile, sometimes known as the Sealand rebel government or Sealandic rebel government in Germany. Okay. Okay. Um, so I want to talk about something um, called the Montevideo, Montevideo Convention in 1933. Montevideo. Okay. Okay. And basically there they defined a state as the following. One, a permanent population. Two, a defined territory. Three, a government. And four, the competence and ability to go into relations with other states. So the principality of Sealand is like, we do all those things. I'm not so even sure, if it is, I'm not so sure. <laughs> I mean, even if it is just one guy and his family, you know, it's still a permanent population. There's at least, you know, a couple sure. of guys there. It's a defined territory. Know the place. Mm-hmm. A government. It's a principality. We have the prince. He's the government and his family. And the competence and ability to go into relations with other states, which they just did during the, with Germany. (laughs) These chancers. Yeah. So Germany refused to acknowledge them, even though they helped, they still didn't, like, you're not a country. So there's usually between like two and 25 residents in Sealand, although they once had a maximum of 50 people living on the platform, but that was a very short time and only once. And Sealand became kind of a symbol of like anti-authority protests in the UK Mm. during kind of 70s and 80s. Uh, It's all all nonsense. It all fits with the time though, I guess as well. Like Mm. it makes perfect sense that this would happen in like the 60s and then they they dragged it out, sure, didn't they? But um, yeah. Yeah, it kind of, yeah, it just echoes what's happening around the world really. Um, But he just went like a little extra... It went the extra mile over some other people, for sure. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> definitely that extra mile. Um, so even though, like, they're they're following, okay, by this UN Montevideo Convention and, like, kind of act, we are a state. But the general kind of rule is to be a state or recognized as having sovereignty, um, other countries need to recognize you as a country. Yeah. And no formal country does recognize Sealand as a country but they're still kind of fighting <laughs> what a stupid fight. name for a country <laughs> why didn't they pick something else like even to like it just sounds like a made-up name for a country that's in the middle of the sea I but mean, it is a made-up name <laughs> but like they could have like they could have pretended and made it something more legitimate sounding so, oh I mean they feels like they didn't try the thing is it's just like it's hard to, it's it's hard to know how much of it is a joke 
and isn't. It doesn't. It doesn't sound like a joke. It sounds like a, a an intense project he had. Um, but they don't take it seriously. Do they not? It's like, oh yeah, I'm a print. But I mean, yes or no? It's kind of like you know, watching interviews. It's just kind of like, yeah, this is Sealand. It's it's kind of just some big in joke. Mm. It kind of it reminds me of um, the film The Room with Tommy Wiseau. Like to him, he was making a serious film. Um, and we all look at it and we're like, oh my God, what a terrible, terrible film. Very funny. How could he possibly think that this was seriously good? Um, but maybe this guy, Roy, was as deluded. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't get that impression. I get the impression that he just saw some sort of legal loophole in the world and just wanted to express it. Yeah. Okay, fair play um, to him. Like, it is a good laugh. Like <laughs> It is a good laugh. <laughs> Um, so we're gonna take a bit of a U-turn here and gonna uh, talk about Giovanni Versailles. Okay. The fashion design, you know, the Versailles fashion, and the fashion designer was assassinated in '97 at the end of a killing spree by a name named Andrew Cunanan. Oh God! I need to look up pronounce it. Yeah, and here's the thing: the police tracked him down to his houseboat where he had died by suicide, and they found a Sealand passport. What? And this brought Sealand back into the spotlight, much to the shock of the Sealand people. It uh, brought attention to how various con men and groups were taking advantage of Sealand. Oh, okay. Wait, so we're in 1997 now. Mm-hmm. God, this is far too recent. Um, This is a, a darker tone to the Sealand... Um, uh, universe than I mm. than before. Um, I don't know. But it's not you know it's not Sealand's fault. It's just people were taking advantage of these. Yeah, that's terrible. Yeah. So the the Bates family quickly revoked all Sealand passports upon hearing of the murder, including those that they had uh, that they had in, themselves issued over the previous twenty two years. So now there is no Sealand passport. You can't get a Sealand passport anymore. Oh, they're like gold. They they're like gold dust. Their void. Uh, they were thought to have been about uh, one hundred and fifty thousand Sealand passports in circulation. I'm sorry, that's most too of them many. fake. Yeah, <laughs> most of them fake. Sorry, I'm got my brain. You can see why this broke my brain trying to re- research. Um, this was due to the realization that an international money laundering ring had appeared using the sale of fake Sealand passports to finance drug trafficking and money. <laughs> to finance drug trafficking and money laundering from Russian from Russia and Iraq. The ringleaders of the operation based in Madrid, but with ties to various groups in Germany, including the rebel Sealand government in exile established by Achenbach after the attempted 1978 coup. And they used fake Sealand diplomatic immunity and license plates in, to uh, for various nefarious deeds. There were even... Rep- um, they even reported to have sold 4,000 fake Sealand, fake Sealandic passports to Hong Kong citizens at an estimation of a grand each. Sealandic. <laughs> you know what? Sealand is officially on the map here. It's really found itself in international affairs. So, I mean, it's getting what yeah. it wants in a dark way. I mean, that's all I'll kind of say about all of that because it's so complicated and there's so much stuff, but that's not really directly related to Sealand. It's Mm. more people taking advantage of the fact that it's kind of a real country and probably easier to forge 
fake Sealandic passports. Um, it's worth noting that if you do visit Sealand, you do get your passport stamped. Oh, cute. Yeah, very cute. Um, so Paddy Roy Bates passed away in Essex in 2012. Okay. At 91, so. Okay, wow, yeah. He was, he was grand. Um, and he had Alzheimer's and he'd been re- residing in a home during his later life. So Mike, Prince Michael took over and is currently still in charge of looking over it. And then Princess Joan passed away in 2016. Mm. So it's running through the family. It's still going strong. Oh my God. Sealand <laughs> uh, is not recognized by any major international sporting body and its population is insufficient to maintain a team composed of Sealandians. <laughs> <laughs> They're called Sealandians. Sealandians. Mm, yes, lovely. Sealandians. <laughs> However, this doesn't stop them from claiming to have loads of national sporting champions. And again, they give out like fake citizenship, well, not fake, genuine citizenship to various sporting championships. And I think people just like being in on the joke. So there's lots of people yeah. being like, yes, I'm a dual citizen. I'm Sealandian. Um, in 2008, Sealand hosted a skateboarding event sponsored by Red Bull. What? <laughs> you can see it on YouTube. Um, it's just two guys just skateboarding. And I just want to point this out because this is like the blurb that it has in the YouTube video. And I just want to, I think it's important to show how important grammar is. Because how does it sound? Although only two crew members and one skateboard was lost during the group's extent on Sealand, we can all agree that skateboarding on an old World War II platform was pretty sketch. Does that make it sound like they lost two people? Yeah, it sounds like people died. <laughs> also, I'm not no. so, I wouldn't be surprised because it sounds like a very dangerous place to skateboard. That's why there needs to be a comma there. Mm. Although two crew members and one skateboard was lost. Like, no big, we just lost two people. <laughs> Wait, what's it meant to say? What's what's it meant to say, really? I think it's like they only had two oh, they just crew members. They only had, they lost one skateboard and there was two people there. So it's although there was only two people there oh, and we lost the skateboard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But because there's no comma, it's like, although only two crew members and one skateboard was lost. <laughs> why did Red Bull sponsor this? <laughs> Red Bull sponsors loads of mad stuff. But you said um, Michael has a family, right? Mm-hmm. So like does, he, like, does his family live with him? Does he have a wife or? Yeah, he doesn't live on Sealand. Um, oh, okay. He like visits oh, yeah. and it's hires just, yeah. caretakers. Yes, yes, yes. Um, <laughs> what is the point of this place? <laughs> I don't understand. It's like a holiday home. Like a really shit holiday home. <laughs> It's so shit. Although, um, in 2000- listen, if anyone from Sealand is listening, I'm really sorry. I'm. I just. It's not. Um. I. I'm, All I'm two chosen, of you out yeah, there. I've chosen um to be uh, confused by it rather than to um celebrate it, which I don't know sounds sounds uh bad on my part. Now that I think about it, people should live their lives in whatever way they want. Yeah, I, I don't think anyone would be that offended. I hope not. I th- they, they're kind of aware of the ridiculousness of it. <laughs> in, two th- in 2008, a team representing Sealand won the World Egg Throwing Championship. Oh my God. So. <laughs> That's delightful. <laughs> Good for them. Yeah. There's a championship uh, at the world for egg throwing? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, even that is like... How far did they get the egg? It's like... I don't know. As I said, there is so much here that it's the gift that keeps on giving. I could probably do like a whole like six hour episode just on Sealand. Yeah. Um, but it was hurting my brain. So I just, mm-hmm. 
<laughs> so in its, you know, uh, over five decades of his existence, um, no more than half a dozen people, guests of the Bates family, have ever lived on this desolate outpost. So there's never been more than kind of six people permanently living there at a time. That's Even though there's like bad. citizens and people have stayed... <laughs> On the platform's flat top, the big guns and helicopters from World War II were replaced by a wind-powered generator, which provided flickering electricity, space heaters, in Sealand's 10 chilly rooms. Flickering electricity. Brilliant. So you're there with six of your favorite people and flickering electricity. Each month, a boat ferried with supplies, tea, whiskey, chocolate, and old newspapers is dropped to the residents. Um, Now it's mainly just one full-time citizen permanent citizen sometimes two um but a full-time guard named michael barrington's there he loves it does he though like (laughs) he says he does maybe he's like i'm named after the prince (laughs) yeah uh someone named kenton cool climbed mount everest with a sealand flag oh (laughs) so people all over the world want to bring sealand's name to things Probably because people like being part of an underdog story um, or included in some ridiculous part of history. It's like, yeah, I'm a Seedlandian. Yeah. Um, it's kind of nice, really, isn't it? Yeah. In 2017, Bates held a dinner to commemorate the 50th anniversary of Sealand, stating, We're perhaps the most undemanding state in the world. We don't force anybody to worship any god or religion or anything. Maybe that's why we've lasted so long. Hopefully, I'll be around for the next 50. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's, if there's only one person really living there, it's, it's not a, it doesn't really fit the criteria of like. It's still a permanent population. It is. But like, what a life. Like, oh, it just sounds so lonely. Like, you're surrounded by water. Do they have internet? Even if you do. Yeah. I'd say. Hmm. They do have internet because they were able to broadcast like it's they have the equipment to broadcast radio and then they would have had the equipment to get internet. I guess so. Uh, Prince James and Liam, which are Prince Michael's sons, uh, both in their early 30s, um, have lived there a lot and spend a lot of their time helping out and have really uh, used social media in recent years to grow Sealand. (laughs) Okay, Um, what would you do if you went on a date with one of them? Like, and you didn't know it was like who they were but they were like we want you to come live on sealand with us we don't live there right now but um we want you to be the princess of sealand yeah not even that (laughs) imagine sharing that with someone's like oh i'm a i'm a prince yeah (laughs) and you're like ooh, of where sealand also sounds like it should be some exciting like water park in the middle of the ocean yeah like you'd expect at least like a fun slide yeah like the episode before this um when the way that i'm airing and i'm talking all about disneyland lucky you you got sealand Sealand. (laughs) (laughs) all right i see how it is (laughs) yeah so um james and liam went to school in england they grew up with sealand in their lives visiting a lot but they mainly resided you know in england uh they live in south end now harvesting mollusks with their dad michael Oh, blo- they bloody love the sea. They bloody love it. James is married, but Prince Liam is single. If you're interested, Shiva. <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm up I'm up to explore different relationships. You know, <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> so, um, 
on the official Sealand government organization website, um, you can become a baron or baroness for £30. Well, £29.99. A Sir or Dane for £99.99. A Count or Countess for £199. Duke or Duchess for £499.99. It just doesn't seem very special. Um, but yeah, it's but you can be an official lord. And it's funny, since researching this, all of my ads on Facebook are become a lord or lady of Sealand. Lady? Oh my god. All of them. Oh my god. That's um, how they're making you, money, isn't it? It is. I mean, it's how they you know, they're not like wealthy people, but they've got to upkeep it and everything. Mm. So you can get an identity card from Sealand for twenty five pounds, even though or are you ready for this? For twenty pounds, you can own a piece of Sealand territory. That why is it the cheapest one? <laughs> I don't know how small it is. Yeah. Wow. Um. Yeah, and that's that's it. That's all I have about Sealand. It's worth noting that Prince Michael wrote a book in two thousand fifteen called "Holding the Fort" with a lot of information. An autobiography about his life growing up on Sealand as a teenager and getting kidnapped by. Oh okay, I would. Jeremy. I'd enjoy reading that. I think it sounds like um the kind of place that people might go on like a stag do or a hen party. I'll go out to Sealand. <laughs> that's, that's what they sound like. It's so awkward to get to though. Mm. Uh, but once yeah, you're there, I would... you're there. You know. <laughs> yeah. It, I will say um, I read bits of the book. I didn't read the whole thing. I read bits of it and I read like reviews and everything. And it's it's a really interesting story, but you should have gotten a ghostwriter, you know? Oh, like it's badly written. <laughs> it's just there's so much that could have been edited out oh, okay. that it's kind of a bit. Um, and actually this year, um, Dylan Taylor Lehen wrote a book and he's a journalist. So I would say if you are interested in Sealand, that one would be probably more mm. straightforward and kind of not biased because obviously of course yeah yeah and that's sealand the true story of the world's most stubborn micronation um and how many people like do you think know like is this a common knowledge kind of thing or like i'd never heard of this before um it seems kind of like a niche thing like i know a few people that have heard of it yeah um, they don't know that much about it. They're kind of like, oh, isn't that that guy who decided to start a country on a sea force? That's kind of the most people seem to know about it. Yeah. So after doing the research and writing this episode and everything, all I did was I followed the Sealand government on Twitter. Okay. And I started getting followed by another micronation <laughs> that I have never heard of. And that led me down another rabbit hole, which <laughs> I'm going to save either for a part two for next week or possibly a bonus episode because it's not really related to Sealand, but it kind of, I feel like Sealand is a good backstory because it inspired a lot of other nonsense micronations being like, well, if Sealand can do it, we can do yeah. it too. Oh my God. So that's it. Um, so what do you think? Do you think Sealand's a country? Um, no. <laughs> I surely don't. <laughs> it sounds it's more like a brand. It sounds like just um yeah, something that they kind of merchandise and like like a little club where they have their clubhouse in the middle of the ocean. But um I don't know, even like hearing that another micronation followed you on Twitter, like countries don't follow people on Twitter. <laughs> like 
that's not a thing yeah that's not a thing um so no like do you think it's a country man it's all a bunch of nonsense (laughs) it's all such nonsense like a bunch of people fighting over a fucking tower in the middle Mm -hmm. of the ocean so sealand is kind of like the most well-known nonsense country yeah if that makes sense <laughs> i know it does <laughs> there's a lot of other a lot of other nonsense oh countries. uh so yeah that's it that's the end of the episode shiva do you want to plug um, anything or say anything um thank you sersha <laughs> um i yeah i guess i'll just plug my instagram it's just my name shiva mcquinn s-i-o-m-h-a-m-c-q-u-i-n-n yep that's it yes <laughs> crazy irish names yes crazy s irish names it's in it's important uh she followed shiva she does very funny content thank you um as always i've been your host sir name sirsha ball on twitter and you can get in contact by twitter or um emailing me at absurdrealhistory@gmail.com. at uh, following screen for Ireland in social media as that's the company that i'm producing this through and yeah all that nonsense thank you for paying attention uh tune in for the next episode which is just a whole lot of nonsense that just kind of happened after this and bye thank you (laughs) 